Hello, and welcome to the Sunday Sermon Cast from Bethel Evangelical Free Church on Washington Island, Wisconsin. I'm Rick Smith, and I've been here at Bethel since 2016, enjoying this great church on this spectacular place off the northern tip of Door County, Wisconsin. This message comes from our Sunday morning service here on the island, and it's geared towards discovering what the Bible has to say to us in our everyday lives. So, God's blessing on you, and thanks for joining with us wherever you are today. As uh, Bailey mentioned, Michael and uh, prayer and just coming to see him, it's been over a year since we've seen him. Uh, one of my favorite stories of Michael growing up was uh, he and Betty Lou were shopping at the grocery store once, and and he was a chatterbox. Oh, he's always been a chatterbox. Those of you who've met him know that he just can talk, and and he's always been that way. And and he's sitting in the cart, and they're going through the line, and and as always, he was chattering, chattering, and and so Betty Lou is just trying to get the grocery shopping done, and and she's putting the stuff on the, the belt as it goes, and all of a sudden he reaches across to her, grabs her face. And says, Mom, you're not listening to me. And she says, yes, Michael, I am. No, you're not, because you just said yes to something you would never say yes to. (laughs) Well, Betty looks up and notices everyone around her is laughing or snickering. And uh, they've all heard this. And... uh, and uh, she was caught. She uh, she was not listening because she had things she was trying to get done, and his talking just kept going. And um, he had her. Uh, sometimes uh, that's that's how we are with our kids. They just uh, we just need to try to get stuff done. And he's like, yeah, 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 yeah. I hear what you're saying. And no, we're not even listening. And and the thing is, sometimes we're like that with God, aren't we? That we're going around in our lives and thinking through things and, and we think that we've got everything handled and covered and we're, we're paying attention to the things that matter, but really we're just so caught up in all the things that we're doing and, and working on and that, that's, we're really not listening very well. And, and how do we do that? Are we really listening? Can we do that? Well, one of the great things about scriptures is, uh, it gives us all kinds of pictures of, of what that does look like. Like in Acts chapter 13, we've been looking through the, the book of Acts and, and seeing how God interacts. And, and as we approach chapter 13, we have new leaders that are emerging with the church. Uh, the 12 disciples, the, the 12 apostles are, are basically being moved to the side or dying or being thrown in prison and, and new people are taking place. And, and how do they do ministry? What is the secret of it? And uh, that's a, a little bit of an indicator in our text today. If you have your Bibles, we'll be in Acts chapter 13. And uh, we're going to go through the entire chapter. I'm not going to read the entire chapter, but just a couple different parts of it as we go. But uh, we last saw Barnabas and Saul had traveled down to Jerusalem with a gift for the church down there because of the famine that was going on. And they returned to the city of Antioch. And Antioch in the northeast corner uh, just out of, out of the Mediterranean Sea, just uh, several, about 20 miles, 30 miles off the, the coast, the third largest city in the Roman Empire, and they've got a ministry going on there. And so chapter 13, verse 1. In the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaen, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord, And fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. The two of them, sent on their way by the Holy Spirit, went down to Seleucia and sailed from there 
to Cyprus. And uh, so we'll, we'll stop there for a moment. Uh, well, we've got a very diverse group of people that are gathered here as the leaders in the church in Antioch. Uh, we have all kinds of different peoples from different backgrounds. First one mentioned is, is Barnabas. And we've seen Barnabas show up a couple other times in the book of Acts. He's, his background is a Levite. He has been involved in, in working with the temple. And that's, that's, his family has had an important role with that throughout the years. And, and so he has some training just by the nature of who his family is in, in following God. And as he comes to faith, these things come, live out in him. And one of his great Great gifts is the, the gift of encouragement. Uh, but we also have a, a fellow named Simeon called Niger. Niger is a Latinized term. It means black. So probably he was a black man from Africa. If he was from Cyrene, it could be that he is the same Simon from Cyrene that we see in Luke 23 who helps Jesus carry the cross, whose, whose sons Rufus and Alexander we will hear about later in the book of Acts. Uh, but he comes from a different region altogether. And then we've got Lucius of Cyrene as well. Uh, we don't know much about him. It's possible he's Luke that wrote this, but it's unlikely because Luke seems to, to want to be a little more anonymous as he writes this. Um, then a Menaean who had been brought up with Herod. This is the royal family. And so would have grown up with some privilege, but he also has become part of the, the, the faithful group. And, and then there's Saul. Uh, Saul whose training is that of a Pharisee. He has been trained under Gamaliel and, and uh, knew lots. And they're very diverse. But in their diversity, uh, they have a unity. Um, I have in your, in your notes there, a university of faith, merging unity and diversity. When we, we talk about the universities, the, the, the com- combination of unity and diversity is, is what a university gets its name from. That you have all these diverse different classes, but under the same umbrella of one organization, one college, as you were, as it were, uh, the university. And, and all these things are there at the same place. Well, within the church, we have this diversity of people with different backgrounds, different gifts and skills, and yet they have a unity of purpose. And that unity of purpose comes in their direction towards listening and following the Lord Jesus. And as we get to know what they're about in their ministry in Antioch, what does it say? They were worshiping the Lord and they were fasting. And in that context, they hear from the Holy Spirit. They get a very direct particular message for what they want to happen. Set apart Saul and Barnabas for the work that I have to do for them. Well, we don't know what that work is going to be. It, it doesn't say here we can get some clues about it as we walk through the rest of the text here. But God has a message and a, a will and a work for Saul and Barnabas in particular. And so the church then gathers again and they pray and they fast to lay their hands and send Paul and Barnabas on their way. And, and, and the, the key thing I want to see in this is, is what brings them together, what gives them unity, what gives them direction is the fact that the Spirit is guiding them. But the Spirit is able to guide them because, well, they've put themselves in places where they can listen to what the Spirit has to say. They are worshiping and fasting and fasting and praying. And, and these are disciplines of the Christian life. Fasting is generally 
considered we, we, we fast by stopping our eating. We, we maybe only have water during part of the day or for maybe several days or even longer. And that is used as a, as a means of focusing ourselves on listening for God's direction. It is usually when we're looking for something in particular, making a decision or a choice and, and asking, Lord, I need your help. And so we go to a time of fasting and praying. And those are almost always put together, fasting and praying. And and in the in the fasting time, we well, a couple of things happen. When, one, we don't have to spend any time preparing food for ourselves or sitting down to eat the food for ourselves. It gives us more time to focus on that. But as the fast goes on and, and our hunger pangs begin to, to be very obvious to us, they were reminders of us that we're doing something, that this is not a normal part of our life, that we are doing something particular here. And so, yes, I hear you, stomach growling, that I'm, we're doing this for a purpose. Uh, usually after a, some time of fasting, those hunger pangs go away for a little while. And, and, and the focus remains, God, where do you want us to go? Well, for Paul and Barnabas, they... They have a particular direction. And so they are sent off and they, so they go down to the coast of the Mediterranean Sea and they, they get in a boat, a sailing boat, and go off to the island of Cyprus. It's just off of the coast there. And this is where Barnabas is from in the first place. And as they get there, they are preaching the gospel. They're going from the city of Salamis and, 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 and around and they're telling people about Jesus and making the connection as they go from synagogue to synagogue about this is Jesus, who we know about, who, who you have heard stories about. But the connection is with what God has been doing through the Israelites from all time. And that's the message that they bring. And they go from place to place. And, and finally, they get to uh, uh, one of the southern or the, the western towns in, in the, on the island of Cyprus. And, and they meet someone called Bar-Jesus. Uh, Bar-Jesus means the son of Jesus. Uh, but this is someone who has no connection to Jesus at all other than some Jewish connection with him because the text says he's a sorcerer and he has he is divining probably some connection with astrology and looking at the stars and trying to figure out how, what they mean and what they're saying. And, and as this message goes forth, and this Bar-Jesus was in particular uh, an advisor to the proconsul on Cyprus. Uh, the proconsul is someone who is appointed by the Roman Senate to help govern a particular area for a year. And, and Sergius Paulus is this guy's name. And uh, he wants to hear, the text says he's an intelligent man. He wants to hear what's, what's, what Paul and Barnabas are ha having to say. And, and so they come and tell him, and Barb, Jesus is really trying to frustrate this and speaking against what they're doing. And at one point, Paul looks at him and, and says, you're a son of the devil. And, and he rebukes them and, and he becomes, well, he becomes blind, uh, which is ironic. Uh, here is one who has to see the stars and the sun to know what they're saying to him. And he can't see anything. It reminds us a bit about what happened to, to Paul himself when he was on the road to Damascus to destroy the church. And, and Jesus comes to him and he's blinded. And it needs to rely on uh, someone from the faith to come and help heal him and bring, restore his sight. But in the process, Sergius sees this manifestation of, of power that, that happens when Paul rebukes him in the name of Jesus, led by the Spirit, and it catches his attention, and he comes to faith. He comes to faith not because of the miracle, but because 
that catches his attention and he listens to the word of God. And he believes as Paul and Barnabas are talking about Jesus, that he is the Messiah. He is the one that brings salvation. So the message goes on. And, and as they go on their ongoing road trip or water trip, as it were, they get on another boat and they head up the north to, to what we would now know as, as present-day Turkey. And, and they travel inland for a little bit and get themselves to a place called, well, Pisidian Antioch, which is not the same Antioch that they came from, but a different one altogether. It's distinguished by the name Pisidian in front of it. And it's, it's in the area called Galatia. And again, they're going to synagogue and, and from place to place. This has been a long journey. They show up on a Saturday for synagogue. And, and I don't know if you've ever been to synagogue or know much about it. But uh, according to some of the texts I looked at, the, the, the basic pattern of a synagogue service would be that they would, they would start off and they would, they would read or recite the, the great Shema, which is uh, in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 to 9 in particular, which is, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And, and it goes on to there to talk about how we live our lives. And this is something that, that uh, Jewish uh, religious services would, would c- continually go to and, and listen to because this is the basic things about who God is. And they would recite some blessings and there would be a reading from the, the book of the law, uh, as we understand it, uh, the, the first five books of, uh, of the Old Testament, and then from the prophets, and that would be part of it. And then someone would be invited to kind of give a free talk on something for the congregation. And, and possibly in a congregation not much larger than this, or maybe even smaller, if there was two guys from out of town that just showed up we would notice them, wouldn't we? And uh, some would say, hey, who are you guys? And it's possible Paul is dressed like a Pharisee or something, but, but we have a Levite and a Pharisee in the house in the Jewish synagogue. What are we going to do? Hey, you guys are here. Do you have anything to say that would encourage us? And, and Paul gets up to speak. And as he gets up to speak, he begins to talk about, all right, This is what God has been doing. And he begins to recite the history of the people of the the Israelites, of what God has done in them, how God has chosen and directed them, but how sometimes they fell away and came back and and, uh, in a way that's very reminiscent of of Peter's sermon in chapter 2 of Acts and Stephen's sermon in chapter 7, reciting out, this is what God has done. These are things we know through the scriptures. But here's here's the deal. Jesus came along. And Jesus fulfilled all the promises that God had been making. And he recites from Psalm 2 and he recites from Psalm 16 and and, and Isaiah chapter 55 and, and all these things pointing to the Messiah that we hoped for. It's like, now this has happened. And Jesus, who was killed but was raised again, completes and fulfills all that God had been promising. And that's, that's his message. And as he comes to the end, we'll, we'll pick it up again now in, in verse 37 of chapter 13. This is how he continues on. Uh, but, with the, but the one whom God raised from the dead, and he's talked about Jesus' resurrection, did not see decay. Therefore, my brothers, I want you to know that through Jesus... The forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. 
Through him, everyone who believes is justified from everything you could not be justified from by the law of Moses. Take care that what the prophets have said does not happen to you. Look, you scoffers, wonder and perish, for I'm going to do something in your days that you would never believe, even if someone told you. And as Paul and Barnabas were leaving the synagogue, the people invited them to speak further about these things on the next Sabbath. When the congregation was dismissed, many of the Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, who talked with them and urged them to continue in the grace of God. On the next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. When the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy and talked abusively against what Paul was saying. Then Paul and Barnabas answered them boldly. We had to speak the word of God to you first. Since you reject it and do not consider yourselves worthy of eternal life, we now turn to the Gentiles, for this is what the Lord has commanded us. I have made you a light for the Gentiles that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. That's a quotation from from Isaiah uh, chapter 49. When the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and honored the word of the Lord, and all who were appointed for eternal life believed. The the word of the Lord spread through the whole region, but the Jews incited the God-fearing women of high standing and the leading men of the city. They stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them from their region. So they shook the dust from their feet in protest against them and went to Iconium. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. As they're on this road trip and talking about Jesus and going from synagogue to synagogue, and and again, Paul is, is reciting, this is our history, and this is how it's now complete. Jesus has done this, and, and he brings it, and, and there's just great theological weight, freight here. That's what, what, what Paul is saying. I want you to know through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you, and through him, everyone who believes is justified from everything that couldn't, they couldn't be justified from under the law of Moses. Forgiveness and justification. That we, with the sins in our lives that we've committed, can be made right again. How is that possible? Through this Jesus, through what what he did in his life and his death and his resurrection, and now as he ascended and, and is seated at God's right hand, interceding for us, forgiveness is possible through what Jesus has. And this is what we're telling you. You can have forgiveness from God. And you can be justified. What does that mean? Well, justified is to well to be declared righteous, to believe to be declared legally, you're all right. You're okay. Not because you are, but because of what Jesus done, has done. Your penalties, the things you deserve, they're gone. And you're standing now as, as if you had not done them. You're right before God. You can walk with heads held high, not shamed, but forgiven and made right. Uh, this is a tremendous story. And, it, and, and as Paul tells this story about how Jesus completes this, the people are like, this is amazing. This is great. This is fantastic. And, and so they're talking with them and many of them meeting afterward. They, they're walking out as, as many of us might do when, when, when someone inspires us and tells us something about the Lord and, and, and they speak further of it. It says, stay faithful in the grace that's been, that you've received already. And, and, and they're like, can you come back next week? I mean, you're here. Come on back and, and tell us more about it. And, and so they do. And a, a week passes and 
They come to synagogue again, and now there's this, there's throngs of people. Uh, uh, Luke is that almost the whole city shows up here. So there's there's those who are part of the synagogue in general, but friends of friends and friends, and um, some of them with Jewish background, some who have converted to Judaism, but but many Gentiles would be in the mix, and and uh, Gentiles would be those who aren't Jewish and have no connection necessarily to to Judaism, and. And they're there to hear this Paul and this Barnabas speak about this life, about this Jesus, and how this connects to everything. And uh, as the, the leadership of the synagogue, the Jews there, they look, they, they're jealous that these people are all of a sudden so popular when their synagogue services maybe are lacking a little bit. And uh, they begin to say, well, th- these guys, this is not right. What they're doing is not right. And and now there's a, a critical issue for, for Paul and Barnabas. What do we do with this? The, the leaders are, are denigrating what we're doing. Well, they turn to them and say, all right, all right, guys. We had to start with you because you're our brothers, because you know this story, because this is what God has brought us through. And he wanted to use us in all of this that we might help others to see it. But if you want nothing to do with this, if... If you don't consider yourselves worthy of the eternal life God is offering you, that's your choice. And so we'll move on because this is part of our calling. And he recites from, Je- from Isaiah chapter 49 this idea that there will be the, uh, the light to the Gentiles, uh, uh, a phrasing and, and, and a concept that, that is at the outset what God has always intended. When God in Genesis chapter 12 called Abraham, to, to be the father of a people, he says, many nations will be blessed through you. And when, when Moses is called out of Egypt and they're about to, to approach uh, Mount Sinai where he will receive the law, he says, you will be a holy nation, uh, a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Meaning what? That you are set aside, not because, oh, look at us, we're better than you. No, but to be this example of what it is to know God and to serve the other people. What does a priest do? A priest serves the people on behalf of God and serves in front of God on behalf of the people. So if there are a kingdom of priests, the whole kingdom is to do what? To serve the world out there. That they might know this God. Their failure to follow God, and Paul recites that in his sermon, is, is then turned over because Jesus, the Son of God, comes and does it right. He lives faithfully to God. He does not sin. And through it all, is killed as a sacrifice. A sacrificial system which would have been familiar to all the Jews that, that someone or some animal takes my place for what I deserve. The Son of God taking my place for what I deserve. And so that forgiveness and justification can happen to us. This is a very Jewish message, isn't it? Our faith is, is, is so much founded in this, uh, so much so that uh, uh, a fellow named uh, David Chamsky, a Jew who uh, eventually came to follow Jesus Christ, he, uh, and, and coming to faith in Jesus, he said, you, you know what I've done? I have returned, I've returned to Judaism. True, it was not the return that opposers of Yeshua were hoping I would make. Yeshua is uh, a Hebrew name for 
uh, Savior or Joshua or Jesus as this becomes in Aramaic. Uh, but I have been grafted back into the tree planted by our God when he made that first promise to Abraham. The fact that so many Gentiles have accepted the Messiah and were grafted into our tree shows God's goodness. And I am glad. The fact that our Messiah came for Jews and Gentiles affirms my Jewish identity for God promised Abraham that he would be a light to the nations. And as Chamsky reflects on that, he is, he is recognizing God has done a work here. And, and in joining this, I'm joining what God has done and fulfilled through this Jesus. But again, the message goes beyond that, doesn't it? Because it's for us non-Jews as well. And we see as, as Paul and, and Barnabas have this calling from God, part of what their call becomes into view in this passage. All right, we've shared with you Jews. You don't want anything to do with it. We are now going to bring this message to others. And it said that the Gentiles were honored and honored the word of the Lord because of this. Hearing that they had now a place within this faith that Paul and Barnabas were talking about. As the, the, the chapter comes to end, opposition uh, mounts against them again and they're kicked out of the region. But the passage ends with them leaving, moving to a, a town called Iconium. But saying what? The disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. And there's that Holy Spirit again. We started out at the beginning with the Holy Spirit. Uh, 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 when, when Paul is talking against Bar-Jesus, he is moved and filled with the Spirit again. And, and now at the end of this, they're filled with the Holy Spirit. And that's key and central to all of this. It's key and central for us as we look at how to live our lives. How do we do that? By keeping in step and living by the spirits. Uh, that keeping in step phrasing comes from the Paul's letter to the Galatians. This town, Pisidian Antioch, is in the region of Galatia and was written some months after his visit here. Paul's making connection for them about how they have been made right with God and how to continue on. It's by this moving of God's spirit and the feeling of it and walking with it. This is something for us. And how do we do that? Well, again, we listen. We have two ears as we talk with the kids. How do we listen to God? Well, there's practices that we can engage in. Fasting and praying, worshiping, looking through the scriptures and meditating on them and being quiet and listening. Sometimes we can just want to get our, our, our devotion time in and get it finished and say, all right, I got my reading done today and boom, I'm on to the next thing. And part of listening is not speaking, but just sitting there and allowing God to speak to us. And certainly we use discernment as we do that. We, we, we factor in what we know about God through the scriptures and, and how others have taught us. But, but God, God is a direction for us. What is that? 
can't tell you what it is because that's between you and God. How He has wired you and, and built you. But He has purpose for you as well. You matter. And you're part of His body. A couple weeks ago, I, I related a story about uh, one, just one of the big moments where I really sensed God was, was telling me specifically what he wanted me to do. And, and this was, was my path to going to the Philippines. And it, it included some friend of mine's crazy dreams about me going in the mission field and, and his accuracy throwing a snowball, which I didn't think he could do. And, 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 and then also several messages that I heard and along the way put me down this road where I, in my senior year of college went uh, seven weeks in the Philippines and well several people said at the end of that who knew this story said you left out the best part what do you what, what's wrong with you and well well the best part they're referring to is that in in the process of going there and and uh, listening and, and and just trying to figure out what God was calling me to I I met a woman in uh, in Zamboanga City in the Philippines uh, named Betty Lou Pratt and and that's where we met on this trip and and, and, and I say that all to say that when we listen to God, there are blessings that happen along the way. It doesn't mean that there's not going to be hardships and difficulties. As, as we look through all these stories, there's hardship. They were kicked out of the city. You know what? They, they dusted themselves and walked away from this town because of their response to them. But they were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Because they could see God doing a work in their lives. And, and along, among the many things that God was teaching me there in, the, in my seven weeks in the Philippines, I, I met this woman who, who was like-minded, who loved the Lord. And, and yeah, uh, one of my things, you can't fake going to the Philippines for two years. That's just, that, you just, that, there's, there's something about her heart and faith that's, that's real and substantial. And, and as we've partnered over these 31 years of marriage, we have... I've seen the ways that God uses us in different ways and, and accomplishes different things together that we couldn't do apart. And uh, all that to say is the Spirit has a call for us. The Spirit has direction for us. Listen to that. It might look risky sometimes, but who knows what blessings are around the corner. The trials and the difficulties certainly may come as well. We can expect those things. But to know that in all these things, God knows where we're at. God knows what He's directing us to and where that's going to lead us and is part of His ongoing work in this world. Because we have a message that matters that comes through people that matter. You are the people that mattered to God so much so that He died on the cross for you. And you have a part in His ongoing, reconciling work with this world that we will be a light to the nations. We're going through hard times as a nation right now, aren't we? We're going through so much division and anger and bitterness. But what are the ways that the church can stand caring and loving and and focused still on God. Part of that is to listen. Are you listening? Will you take the time?
to hear what God is calling you to do. Let's stand for closing prayer. Father, this morning we uh, again come to you and uh, we, we need your grace and you've extended that to us. We need your forgiveness and you've offered that to us. And in doing so have made us right before you, have justified us. And so we can walk through this world knowing, yeah, we've got a past, but you have cleansed us and now are doing a work in us and are doing a work through us. With all the things that are going on in this world, Lord, help us. Fill us with your spirits and, and, and help us to make sure we take time to listen to you, to what you're doing in and around us, what you're calling to us, that we might be faithful and obedient and continue to walk this path that you've put us on. Because as your word says, we are your craftsmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which you've planned in advance. Thank you that we matter to you and that you want to use us as part of this message that matters to everyone. Lead us and guide us this day in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you this day. Well, thanks again for listening. And to learn more about how you can connect with Bethel Community Church, check out our website at islandbethelchurch.com or join us for a service Saturday night at 6 or Sunday morning at 1045. Hope to see you soon. God bless you.